Thank you so much for joining us for the seventh session of our summer series. If you've been following along with us for the last six messages, then you probably noticed something pretty different. You probably noticed we're in a different room. Uh, we've had some voting going on at our church this week, uh, and so while we were filming it, we needed to film in a different location, but it's probably nice to change the background every now and then. So thanks for being with us. If, you've, uh, if this is your first time joining us for one of our messages, then love for you to go back and check out any of our past messages. If you're watching this on YouTube, or on Facebook, you can find uh, those links in the description of this video. So I am so excited to introduce you to our speaker for the seventh session of our summer series. He's a good friend of mine, his name is David West. David is the preaching minister for the Pace Church of Christ. He also serves as one of their elders. He's been there for the last four years. I got to know David a few years ago when he served on staff uh, at a week of camp that I used to direct and quickly grew to love him. He's just so easy to talk to. He's a great communicator of God's truth. Most importantly, he loves the Lord with all of his heart. He and his wife, Kathy, have three children, and they also have two grandchildren. And as he was telling me about those grandbabies, he really lit up. I can tell that he really loves his family. I can't wait for you to, to watch his message. He's got some great truths for us as he continues in our series of talking about what's next. And he's got a great message for us from Acts 9.31. And I love his take, and I can't wait for you to watch it. I want to pray for us, and then we'll turn it over to David. Father, I thank you for this time to be together, even in this online platform. Father, I thank you for each of us that's watching this message. Lord, use David as your instrument. Use his message to shape and to change us. Father, may we see you. May you be glorified from our study together. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the message of hope that we find through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, and for the life that we find in him. And we lift this prayer together in his name. All right, it's so nice to be here with the folks at Regency, and I appreciate the opportunity to come and be part of your summer series. Uh, regret, regrettably, with everything that's been going on, this is a, a video approach and not us being together. Uh, but as we look at what's next, as we look at what's going on right now and what is to come, uh, this whole year has made us very aware that even in our work in local congregations, we've got to adapt. Uh, we've got to reach people where they are. And it's made us think outside the box. And that's not something unbiblical. We're not talking here about doing something that would be contrary to Scripture. But we get into our routines and we get into our ways of doing things. And maybe one of the positive things that's come out of all the, the chaos and uncertainty of this year is that as we think about what's next, uh, that we are trusting more and more on the Lord opening some doors. So when I was asked to speak about what is to come, what do we do next, um, I went back to Scripture. One of the things that we sometimes forget when we talk about the book of Acts is that it is not just history. It's not just an instruction manual. When we look at the book of Acts, we're looking at the first 30 years in the life of this fledgling church. Uh, they probably asked lots of times, what's next? 
what do we do now? And as you go through the book of Acts, you're going to find various places where Luke uses what some have called summary statements. Uh, there's a whole host of these. You'll find one in Acts 2, uh, verses 46 through 47 that we'll talk about in just a moment. Uh, you'll find some in Acts 5 and Acts 6. You'll find them in Acts 9. Uh, you'll find them in Acts 12 and Acts 16 and Acts 19. And there's a host of others as well. Where Paul is go rather Luke is going along with the flow of the story. And he will, he will stop for a moment and he'll give this short statement about what, what has happened in the church thus far and almost preparing for what's going to come next. So if you ever want to do just a really interesting study on your own about the church and its growth, whether you're talking about the first century or the 21st century, looking at those summary statements that Luke uses is a wonderful place to start. So let's talk about Acts for a moment and let's talk about the early church. In Acts chapter 1, you have uh, this whole gathering, as it were, in the upper room and, and they're still trying to figure out what to do. Uh, you have the replacement of one of the apostles, Judas, who had betrayed the Lord. But in Acts chapter 2, you have the day of Pentecost. And while they're waiting, the Spirit comes upon the apostles and these men go out and they begin preaching the gospel. And in so doing, uh, there are 3,000 people that are added to the church that very day, just in its beginning. But when you get to Acts chapter 2, verses 26, or rather 46 through 47, you hear this statement. So continuing, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, in our fellowship, we have looked at that passage countless number of times. But that is one of Luke's first summary statements. In chapters 1 and 2, there has been so much that's happened. And here he says, this, this fledgling church now has a, a plan for growth. Uh, they are going to continue in certain activities. Uh, they're going to continue developing that, that fellowship and listening to what the apostles have to say. You move to chapters 3 and 4, and you find there that the church, this, this infant church, is having some struggles. Uh, Peter and John have, have gone to the temple at that hour of prayer. They heal a man, and now there's controversy with the Jewish leaders. Uh, you, you get over into chapter 5, and you have the whole situation uh, with Ananias and Sapphira and, and this lie where they tried to deceive and, and get notoriety for themselves. But again, you get in that context, whether it be the controversy with the Jewish leaders in chapter 4 or what took place in chapter 5, and you have these references to the word grew. Uh, the people experienced the fear of the Lord. Uh, the numbers were multiplied, uh, that the, the word spread out. Uh, 
you move over into chapters six, uh, chapter six, and you have this controversy, an internal controversy, on how they were dealing with the widows. And you have there this setting where these men were assigned to, for that particular ministry. And as that was taken care of, again, you have this statement in, in Acts 6, verse 7, about how the word is spreading and how the growth is occurring. Uh, you get into the end of chapter 6, going into chapter 7, you have another setback, the stoning of Stephen, his death. And that had to have a powerful impact on this, this growing church. Uh, you get into chapter 8 and you have some of these people because of the persecution Saul was doing uh, that are leaving the area of Jerusalem and going into other areas and are preaching the gospel. Folks like Philip going down to Samaria. And, and whether it be the folks in Samaria or the Ethiopian eunuch, you have more growth. You have more things happening. You get into the conversion of Saul in chapter 9. And, and, and the point I'm making by doing this quick overview of these early chapters is not everything was peaches and cream as the church began. There were rough spots. There were external issues. There were internal issues. There were growing pains. And because they were trusting in the Lord, there was growth that was taking place. They were growing closer to each other. They were growing stronger as they launched out into new territory and in teaching new people. Well, that brings us to Acts chapter 9. And as I said, in Acts chapter 9, you have the conversion of Saul, who had been one of the biggest opponents of the church, who is now going to become one of its biggest proponents. He is going to be that advocate for the Lord. And you get down to Acts chapter 9, verse 31, and that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Acts 39, verse 31 reads this way. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Now, I want to keep things very simple because I think when things are simple, we're more apt to act on them. There are four focal points in this summary statement in Acts chapter 9, verse 31 that applied to the church in the first century and I think applies to the church in the 21st century as we look for ways to to move forward, to grow, to expand the kingdom. As we look at, yes, there are struggles, just like this year. There's been lots of things that have had to, to change and be adjusted and take place. It's not been a smooth year. But it's also been a year that God has blessed. We live in a time where sometimes our plans don't go the way we want them to. But God always provides an open door. A quick reference on that before we get into the bulk of, of Acts 9.31. If you go to Acts 16 where you're going to find some more of those summary statements, the beginning part of that chapter, Paul had as his mission in his mind 
that he was going to go into Asia and preach. And he was hindered from doing that. He was prevented from doing that. You know by whom? By the Holy Spirit. And it's in that same context in, in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10, that Paul has this vision of a man in Macedonia. And instead of Paul going east, as he originally planned, because of the struggles... Because he was hindered from doing that, he wound up going west and had a very fruitful result from that. So as we talk about what's going on right now with all the struggles we're facing, let's not forget God is still in control. And in the midst of everything happening, God is giving opportunity for his church to grow and to thrive. So our four focal points. Number one. He talks about the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Now, it's interesting that if you go back to the original language, some versions translate the word church there in the singular as a church, big picture, universal, the church as, as a whole. Other translations translate it as a plural, the churches. The, the individual congregations. So there are times that we tend to think of the church as our local congregation. And right now, whether it be us at Pace or the folks here at Regency or some of our other sister congregations, there's a lot of adapting that's going on because of the shutdowns with the coronavirus and everything else that's happening. But maybe in moments like that, we need to step back and look at the church as a whole. The church is not just my local congregation or your local congregation. God is working throughout the world to bring about the results that he wants. So I think sometimes we do need to think of the church locally. And sometimes we need to think of the church regionally. Other times we need to think of the church worldwide because all of that is the Lord's church. Uh, for some of us, we may have been part of the congregation we're in and have been there since we were little kids. Or sometimes those of us in leadership, we talk about it being my church or I'm the preacher at this church and etc. Well, the church doesn't belong to any of us. The church and we as the church belong to God. And so I think the first focal point here is the churches throughout that whole region. Uh, there was a sense of unity that they had, a sense of togetherness. Uh, there were things happening not just in this one local congregation, but throughout that area. A quick side note. One of the things that has been shut down for now that hopefully will resume in a few months that I know the congregation here has been involved in and we've been involved in at Pace, uh, the youth area-wide devotionals. Uh, those things and uh, the camp at Gulf Coast Bible Camp are all good ways in which our youth get together outside the confines of their local congregation and are able to see the church in a much bigger picture. 
Second focal point, the effect. Simple statement. Uh, the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. I think if we look at the church as God's church, that yes, we are working in the church and, and we all have our individual ministries in the church, but as we're working at the, together in the Lord's kingdom and realize it's about God and it's not about me, then that's going to bring about peace and that's going to bring about a mutual building up. We as local congregations are not in competition with each other. Uh, if one congregation is bigger and another is smaller, or one has this staff and another has that staff, if one's involved in this ministry and another is involved in a different ministry, that doesn't matter. We're all working for the same God. We are all working in the same kingdom and for his purpose. That's what's going to bring us together. That's what's going to give us this sense of unity is understanding that it is about God and the result is going to be that we are going to be made stronger and there's going to be a sense of togetherness that we have. Third focal point, the cause. Yes, we are talking about the church locally, regionally, universally. Yes, we are talking about this effect of peace, of being edified, this sense of unity. How do you get that? How does that happen? What is the cause of that? And Luke, in this summary statement, gives us two items that are connected. The first... They were walking in the fear of the Lord. That word for fear is where we get the idea of phobia. Uh, there is a sense in which we, we have maybe watered down the concept of fearing God. Uh, we sometimes talk about God as being our father. And that's a biblical concept. I do not want to take away from that. But our God is the Almighty. Our God is the creator of heaven and earth. Our God created the universe and everything in it just with the spoken word. And to stand before such an awesome God, it humbles us. It brings us to our knees. Jesus would talk about not fearing that person that can kill the body, but fearing him who can destroy both body and soul. That is God. And you read, whether it be in Isaiah 6 or over in Revelation 5 and 6, uh, where you have, or rather 4 and 5, where you have these, these throne room scenes with God and somebody in his presence and this sense of, of humbling, of, of fear there was a respect and awe for the awesomeness of God that there was none other like him. And my friends, if all of us had that sense of awe, if all of us had that sense of 
the holiness, the grandeur, the majesty, the greatness, again, the awesomeness of God. It might change the way that we walk individually. It might change the way we walk congregationally. It might change the way that we serve in the kingdom. The second part of this, it's walking in the fear of the Lord, but it is also walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. If you go over to places like Jude at the close of that book, uh, there are those that we're going to reach by, as, as Jude would say, almost like snatching them out of the fire, uh, hating the smell of smoke that are on them. And there are others that we're going to reach with the love and the mercy of God. We are God's people, and God has given us His Spirit. And having that Spirit gives us comfort. The church is not something that God created 2,000 years ago and then he went on vacation. Our God, through the Spirit, is still living and active in the 21st century church. God is still moving his church forward. And so as we look at what motivates us, it is the way we view God. It is the comfort that we take from the guidance of the Spirit. Final focal point that we have, the growth. The church, in that whole area, whether it be locally, regionally, universally, was experiencing unity in what they wanted to accomplish in their peace, in their purpose, uh, they were trusting in the power of God to bring that about by the way they looked at God in His greatness and through the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And here's the result. This is how they grew in the first century. This is how we will grow in the 21st century. They were multiplied. Because they were walking in the fear of the Lord, because they were walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, there was this multiplication, and that multiplication is twofold. They grew in numbers. Even with all the challenges this infant church faced, they grew in numbers. If you go back and look at several of these summary statements that Luke gives throughout Acts, sometimes he'll even throw in numbers. And he'll talk about there was this increase, there was 3,000, here's 5,000. Or he'll talk about there were priests being converted. Uh, there were leading women that were being converted. And over and over he's given this numerical growth. But there is also spiritual growth. As the church grew from its infancy to its adolescence and eventually to being mature in its adulthood, you're seeing them become more focused and more determined to carry out God's will. So let's wrap this up. Acts chapter 9 verse 31 may not tell us exactly what we're going to experience next. But it does give us, if you will, some, some counsel on how to handle what comes next. So whether it's adversity whether it's a, a really positive time, 
that we are still carrying out the mission that God has given us. It's about the church, about the church in our local areas all the way through this worldwide view. And brothers and sisters, we need to look at the church as being what Peter talked about in 1 Peter 2, God's own special people, wherever they are. It's about the effect. We want to have peace. We want to have unity. We want to experience that shared purpose and that shared power that comes to us from God. But how do we get that? It's in the way we look at God. It's the way we trust in the guidance of the Spirit. And the effect will be a blessing as we grow in numbers and as we grow in spirit. I pray that for myself and for you, that we will carry out that commission, that we will seek and save the lost, and that we will live our lives trusting in the divine power to bring about growth and maturity. May the Lord bless you and keep you.